You're listening to Art Affairs, episode 28. Today I'll be talking to John Ching. So my name's Michael Faith, and this is Art Affairs. If this is your first time listening, Art Affairs is meant to give you a look at and into the new contemporary art community, featuring conversations with artists, gallerists, curators, shining a spotlight on the human side of the wonderful work they do. You can dig through previous episodes, complete with show notes at artaffairspodcast.com, and you can check out new episodes on all your favorite podcast platforms. Of course, if you like what I'm doing here, be sure to subscribe. And you can always connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Art Affairs Podcast. All right, so today's guest is artist John Ching. John's work caught my eye towards the beginning of the year in what we call the before times, (laughs) Um, uh, when he was part of a three-person show at Corey Helford Gallery. As with a lot of artists that I follow, Uh, John has a heavy focus on wildlife and the natural world, but he puts a very interesting surrealist twist to it. Uh, We talk about his hybrid flana creatures on the show, as well as the path he took through mechanical engineering to get where he is today, his upcoming solo show at Haven Gallery, and a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with John Ching. John, welcome to the show, man. It's it's good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I like the podcast, so happy to be on it now. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I, I'm really grateful for people that are, are checking it out. Um, so let's talk talk about your background for a little bit. Um, and from what I understand, uh, you were born and raised in Hawaii, and and you'll have to help me with the pronunciation. I think it's Kaneohe. Yeah, is that right. That's great. Okay, so which is on the island of Oahu. Um, what was the area like where you grew up? Um, it was super lush, kind of mountainy. Um, yeah, like it rained all the time. Um, just like very green, nice island life. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, spend much time in nature as a kid? I mean, did you, is this something that you kind of had around you all the time? I think I, I didn't spend much time in it. Um, I was around it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, I wish that I was out there more. I mean, I definitely have like, memories of playing in the backyard or like it wasn't really a yard it was just like the back of like my um house (laughs) and it was like very like jungly and there was like a little stream that that went by so I'd like go there once in a while but now with my like love of nature I wish I just like lived there (laughs) instead of like watching so much tv (laughs) um what kind of work did your parents do uh, my mom uh, worked at my elementary school. Um, she just retired last year. And she she's kind of done a few positions there. Um, most recently, she was kind of like a, um, a teacher's aide or more like the student's aide for um, special needs kids. So kind of like their extra hand, their like, you know, f- attention, 
maker. And then my dad worked um, in escrow, I think, most of his life, like with the banks and private companies. So, so having your mom at school, did that cause any trouble with you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more for my brother. I was the good kid. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was always a threat, um, you know, from the <laughs> teachers. Like, you know, she, they could just march me down. But um, no, it was cool. I feel like I like got like a little kind of like a preferential treatment, I guess, because, you know, they're friends with my mom. So. Sure, sure. Um, did, did you have much exposure to art as a kid? Like, was it something that you, you had you know, around you at all? Did you have people in your life that were artists? Uh, no, I didn't really know any artists. Um, I think just it was around the normal ways, like with public murals and stuff. Um, but yeah, there was no really like intentional exposure to it besides like what I got at school or what was just, you know, around. So how did you how did you take an interest in creating art yourself? Like how did you how did you get that bug? I guess. Um, I mean, I've I've just been drawing like forever. I think like you know, kids are always given the opportunity to draw, and like I think it was my brother. He kind of like got into it, um, you know, drawing like Ninja Turtles and stuff. And so like I would just follow, or like you know, my parents would get me like a sketch pad and. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like the thing to do besides playing like Game Boy or <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, TV. It was just, um, yeah, I got into like drawing Dragon Ball Z and then like Mortal Kombat characters. And yeah, it's always just kind of been a thing I did. What, was it something that you were doing just as, you know, just for fun as a hobby? Or did you think, hey, someday I could actually be doing this as a career, like you know, something professionally? No, yeah, I didn't really think professionally for a while. <laughs> and then when I did, it was like in a different direction. But it was just for fun. It was just, um, I think maybe just I always liked getting better at it. So, you know, it's like I would draw something and then figure something out. And the next time I would do it and I'm still doing that. That's kind of crazy. But yeah, it was just to pass the time, I think. Okay. And, and and so ultimately when you went to school, when you went to college, uh, you know, you, you focused on something completely different. Your focus was mechanical engineering, which couldn't be, I mean, in my mind, couldn't be further from art. Um, tell me about that. Like what led you into a mechanical engineering degree? Well, in high school, I was really like, I feel like I was really strong in art and I was really strong in like science and physics um like once I had I think it was just I had a great physics teacher and um yeah so she really just helped me find a love for it and so when I was going to college I was looking at you know like what do I want to study and I just my idea of college at the time was it was a place that you went to to learn how to get a job <laughs> and so I didn't think art was a job and I didn't even really know that there was art schools um so uh engineering seemed like the practical application like the job form of physics to me um so I went in that way and and I was pretty naive I just you know was kind of following like the the path whatever that was and not really like questioning like where I was going at the time so sure. um but yeah I loved it I feel like um when I think back on it, you know, in the Renaissance and stuff, like 
artists and engineers and scientists were all the same person. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, intersection there. So I'm like, I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me. Like when I look back. No, I mean, that's true. And, and I, I find it interesting that today they are so seemingly divided where you have, you know, people will say I'm left brained or I'm right brained, but really back in the day, they were, ever, they were all of those things, you know, mm-hmm. all at the same time. Um, so it's sort of interesting how we divide those along these weird lines. Um, so you went to school at, in California. So you went to University of Pacific in Stockton. Um, why did you go there? Like what, what led you to that school? Um, pretty much like my criteria for, uh, going to school was that they had, uh, a good engineering program and that they had, um, water polo, preferably (laughs) div one (laughs) water polo. Um, and then, so that was sort of like the best intersection of those criteria and, um, financial aid. Like they, they drew me there. Plus like I was sort of tricked because the name, made me think that it was closer to the ocean than it actually was. Um, and like, you know, being from Hawaii, my scale is a lot smaller than California. So looking at the map, I was like, oh, it's pretty close to the beach. And like, they're giving me this money and then, you know, checks out the boxes. <laughs> so so how did your water polo career go? <laughs> that was pretty short lived. I was definitely like a big fish in a small pond in Hawaii. and. Uh, when I got to the big leagues, I walked on to the team and I played a year and some change. Um, but I, yeah, it was just, um, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to get to the level on the team that I wanted to. And like my grades were like suffering pretty hard. Like I, I realized I didn't really know how to study until I got to college. So, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it was the right decision, but yeah, it was definitely like a big, life change for me at the time and and was that your was that was that when you first moved to california from hawaii was to go to school yeah yep straight from high school yeah it's interesting like several episodes ago um i I was talking to jasper wong who's also grew up in hawaii um and you know he was talking about one of the things that that he experienced um at least in the area where he was in was how hawaii and and i'm almost kind of hearing it from you as well how hawaii didn't really i guess do a great job of cultivating artists you know, preparing people to become artists and treating art as a career. And I, I've heard you, you know, I just heard you say, you know, I didn't really think art could even be a career. Do you feel that that experience was sort of the same for you and that may have contributed to why you didn't think to pursue an art career at first? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's changed now, um, you know, especially with what he's doing um, and, you know, bringing culture into everyone's view. Um but yeah, I mean, like curriculum, art always just sort of was a, you know, an alternative that you could choose in school. I don't know. Yeah, I think that it would, there's limited access to the, the greater, like the, the larger art world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of true with like a lot of things. It's a small island. And, you know, so there's a lot of like things that feel peripheral that like when you're in the mainland are like pretty more front and center. Um, and, and while you were there at, at the university, were you taking any art classes at all? Like just even as electives? Yeah. So I, um, th- in my senior year, I decided that engineering wasn't um, my path because <laughs> I, it was actually fortunate because I, my program um, was that you had to do a full year kind of broken up into semesters. 
um, of just going out and working. They called it like a co-op. Um, so it was just like you went, you know, spent your spring semester full-time interning um, at somewhere, but it was a paid internship. And, you know, so you got a taste of what industry was like. And so I had enough of those where I was just like, okay, like, I'm, this is, yeah, I can't start my life off like that. (laughs) And it was in the, in the senior year, it was in the senior year that you figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it was something I was thinking about, you know, for a while and like, it wasn't, it was just like, okay, like I'm at the finish line and I'm not, you know, haven't done what I want to do. So um, so I opened the minor and just like f- loaded my um, my schedule with art stuff. So um, I got some art history. I got kind of like a basic, just like art class. Um, I took a, well, I think I took a drawing class before that. I took a painting class and yeah. So I got like a really quick taste of <laughs> of arts education. So after graduating, kind of having recognized that, hey, maybe this may not be the right path, like what kind of work did you do? Did you go into mechanical engineering at first? Um, I tried. Um, I graduated in uh, 2008. And so it was like, really, there was nothing, nothing to get. Um, Because yeah, I was sort of like, let me just like, get an engineering job and like make some money. And, you know, then I can like figure out this art thing. But yeah, no one was calling me back. So I got into restaurant work. I was also like very passionate about like food and cooking and farming and stuff. And um, so the intention was to like find my way into a kitchen. Um, Even, you know, even being a prep cook would have been like great for me. I love, I love that. But um, the only position was serving. And then once I like started making like, you know, server money, I was like, there's no way I'm going into the kitchen anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I did that for a while, which was great. It was like the, the right amount of like, you're able to make enough money in, in fewer hours um, to just like keep going. So yeah, I did that while I sort of just painted for myself and I don't know, just like did my 20s, <laughs> early 20s. Were you in, in San Francisco at that point? Yeah, yeah. Okay, how did, how did you like living in the Bay Area? I loved it. Um, I, f- I like lucked out. I like f- my first place there was um, in this big Victorian with like nine roommates. And it was just like this sort of like piece of the old San Francisco that I think was was slowly disappearing not at that time but like even you know then it was sort of rare to stumble upon a community like that but yeah and then i mean you know gentrification happened and now it's like a totally different place um but yeah it was i loved it i have like some of my best memories and closest friends were made there So, so while you were doing restaurant work um was that the point where you were really learning your, your craft? I mean, cause you, you didn't really have a formal art education. You did have, like, like you said, you had some classes there at the end, um, that you kind of took right at, right at the tail end of your, your college. Um, but how did you ultimately go about learning your painting craft? I think just doing it. Um, I always had a painting going, um, yeah, before it was really just like trying to learn the tools, trying to learn what tools I liked working with, which, you know, isn't like a, a cheap endeavor. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I think just doing it and like, kind of like 
looking looking around on the internet and going to shows and stuff and kind of like seeing what people were doing or trying to figure out like how they were doing it and yeah just like playing like I, I feel like I was intentional about like not and I was lucky because that was kind of before social media was like such a thing um but I took my time like sharing it with anybody like because I knew that I was still learning it and it wasn't to the point where I was happy with it so um yeah just just painted a lot <laughs> are there aspects of what what you would perceive a, a formal art education to be that you feel like you missed out on and, and maybe that you wish you had more of yeah I was just thinking about that and like I think like um the the critique aspect of um art school I think is cool because I always stumble on like how I talk about art and, you know, I just like haven't practiced like explaining like why I do things or like if, you know, like, or just hearing other people's interpretation, like, you know, Instagram and shows are cool, but like most times they're just saying that they like it, you know, they're not, um, there's not really like solid feedback on things that need improvement. Um, I think, you know, it's not the context. So I would have liked to do that, I think. And I don't know. Yeah, there's times where I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do something. And I'm like, I'm sure someone could teach me how to do this. But like, <laughs> I'm just like figuring it out, you know, like I'm just seeing how it works and then adjusting. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I found your trajectory interesting, not, not only for the fact that you went sort of from mechanical engineering to painting, but you also spent several years as a concert photographer in like the Bay Area, yeah. um, which I didn't even realize until I, f I found some of your photography on the Bay Bridged Archives, which is a site that apparently exists um, in, <laughs> yeah. in San Francisco. How did you first get started with concert photography? Um, it was probably, well, it was my wife. Um, she's at my girlfriend at the time, but she um, works in the music industry and... I think it was just, yeah, I think the Bay Bridge shared offices with Noise Pop, which is like kind of a, you know, longstanding San Francisco um, uh, festival slash like music um, creator. <laughs> and I think they're just, the Bay Bridge was looking for a photographer and I liked photography. I had gear. So yeah, it just sort of, yeah, happened that way, but I loved it. Like it's, you know, the, I mean, I always love live music and music in general. So it was kind of, and I was always that kid that had a, a camera at shows. Um, so yeah, it kind of made sense, I guess. <laughs> what was this all freelance work or were you on staff at some point? It was freelance. Um, yeah, it was like pretty much, you know, very low pay and it was more just for the activity of it. And the experience and access, I guess, too. Um, yeah, I did like in San Francisco, I was doing that and I was doing uh, ceramics. And I think I just like was enjoying like a very comfortable, like, you know, like I have this part time job that pays full time. And um, I don't know, like there's all of these different creative outlets to explore. So yeah, I was kind of doing a lot then. <laughs> Do you feel like there are, you know, similarities in 
you know, photography and painting in that, you know, do you, do you feel that the strengths that you have and bring to the table as a photographer might also benefit you as a painter? I think so. I think I just realized recently that like my understanding of light maybe comes from photography and sort of like, um, yeah, my eye for shadows maybe and how they fall could be. I mean, it also is just like in, especially with live music, um, the stage lights, there's, you know, it's like a constant, uh, you know, a permanent thing, but like they play with it so much that, um, it's sort of, yeah, inspiring, but yeah, compositionally, I don't know. I wish that I could see more of a through line from photography to my paintings, but I realized I just tend to like put things in the middle and then like (laughs) (laughs) fill the space around it. (laughs) Do you still practice photography today? Like, do you still take your camera out? Not much. It's more like when I'm in nature. Um, Yeah, I love to capture whatever moments I can. Okay, so you're definitely looking more and more like this legit renaissance man, just the more that we we talk. Um, You know, and and so I'd, I'd like to kind of shift into how you started to really get your work um you know noticed by galleries and start shifting into your full-time um gallery work how did that transition take place uh it was a little slow at first um i mean i guess most people that's the case um i yeah i just sort of got lucky when um in san francisco i went to a show at 111 mina and um irene uh Fakes Hernandez, I think is her full name. She um, she had a gallery called Wonderland SF, but she was also a curator at um, 111 Minute. And I went to that show and I was just blown away by the work, but also by the curation and how it was hung. And like, I just like, it was weird. I really felt like the muse or serendipity was like pushing me <laughs> because it's not something that would, I would normally do, but I, I sort of sought her out um, to just compliment her on the show. Um, so I sort of accidentally met her and um, like showed her my work. And, you know, it was, she was like, this is amazing. Like, you know, like call me tomorrow. Don't text me, like call me. And so I did. And she was like, I have this group show, you know, it's in two weeks, but like, if you want to make something like, you know, I'll put it up. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, it was the only, it was a, a, a size show, I guess. It was, everything had to be 16 by 16. Other than that, it was whatever. Um, so yeah, I like hustled and I did it. And I like, at that point I had never even painted to, uh, I guess the theme was Wonderland, like whatever that meant to you. And I never had painted to uh, a theme prompt. <laughs> it was always just like whatever I was thinking about painting. So um, yeah, it was like the first and only painting I've ever delivered wet. Um, <laughs> but I did it and I don't know, she invited me back to, to do more. And so she really like gave me my start. Were you pretty active? I and mean, it sounds like you were pretty active in the gallery scene just there in San Francisco. Were you going out to the gallery openings quite a bit? Not as much as I should have. Like there was, um, yeah, now, now that I realize like how much community plays a part, um, I wish that I had gone out more, but I would see shows that I was really interested in or like that, you know, would kind of gain 
bigger coverage, I guess, or like hit the blogs, you know. But yeah, I think I also just wasn't comfortable with calling myself an artist yet. So like going to meet people and like, I would always be like, I make art, you know, like, but I would never like call myself an artist. Um, so yeah, I think I just also like that and being shy at the time. And, and so at some point you ended up moving south to LA where you live today. Uh, what prompted that move? Like what motivated that? Um, I think it was just a combination of things like the, the predominant force was my wife, um, lost her job in the Bay area and the move that she wanted to go into was more towards film and TV music with film and TV. And so LA sort of seemed like, you know, the obvious choice, like there's not many of those jobs in the Bay area anyway. Um, I think we also were like looking at LA for a while because San Francisco had changed so much and like it was getting like hard to like just like afford to live there like I really towards the end wasn't going out very much because I just couldn't afford to like spend so much money on like a beer and um (laughs) and so yeah it's sort of like we used that like her getting laid off as like a, a reason to like look this way and I'm so happy we did like it really um there's a lot of opportunity down here and I think that's really what sparked things was like I moved to LA and you know it was like okay now I have I'm moving with intention like I like starting over building from scratch so like let's just work on the priorities and so I put everything I stopped you know doing photography and I didn't find a ceramic studio and I was just like I'm just gonna do painting and um yeah, just like hit up every gallery that I wanted to be in. (laughs) And um, yeah, got really lucky. And most of them like called me back. So (laughs) well, it's really cool how that sort kind of served as a catalyst for you to reorganize sort of your priorities and really zero in on exactly what you wanted to focus on. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I really think like, there's something good about being comfortable but like if you have more ambitions like it's kind of a bad you know being comfortable is is a bad thing or can be so have you been a lot more active in la with the art community than you were in san francisco yeah totally um i yeah i just like forced myself to go to shows and like um I like made like a ton of business cards, like way more than I'll ever need in my life. But I think I did that also because I was like, okay, I have to give them out. Like I didn't just make them for them to sit in my pocket, you know? So, um, so yeah, I definitely took networking less of less as a chore or like an obligation and more as like a, a fun thing. And like, I think what was amazing moving to LA is just like, realizing how much great art is here like I would find out about an amazing show that like I didn't even know was happening the night of you know and be able to like go there and like get up close to it and you know and then go to another gallery so um yeah I loved it here I I still do but I'm so bummed that the pandemic has taken that away from all of us it's such a bummer yeah no I no doubt and and with such a active art scene i imagine it's felt there even more than you know most other areas um 
So let's talk about your art for a bit, um, you know, and some of the themes that you work in. You have this very interesting mix of sort of nature-focused art plus surrealism, which I find very interesting. Um, you know, and a big focus of of your work seems to be birds. You know, specifically, um, how did you first take an interest in birds, and like what led you uh, to have that? You know, such a central focus to your work. Honestly, it was just like um, this for Christmas one year. My wife got me um, a bird a book of bird photography, like birds in flight. Um, I think I must have expressed an interest in birds just as a, as a thing, (laughs) uh, before then. But yeah, it was like, I had, um, like two weeks off from work or something. And I was planning to just do a bunch of paintings and she got me this bird book and I was just like, you know, this is amazing. So I just started painting them. And then I realized, you know, like, getting in close and seeing their their patterns and their colors and how beautiful they look in the air um i was just like wow i could do this for a while there's just such endless diversity um that yeah i just like once i started i was hooked um i just love how like something like their wings can are so delicate but like have so much power um just that that juxtaposition was like really interesting to me yeah it's very cool um but but it's not all it's not all birds you do you bring in other forms of wildlife is that something that you you know trying to do more of sort of get a more broad representation of the natural world yeah i think like it kind of just depends on like what theme or idea i'm trying to explore but um yeah sometimes birds just don't fit everything (laughs) also i think like some birds are harder to like naturally we like anthropomorphize and sort of see ourselves in in animals and so i i like to use that as a tool too and sometimes i'm just like i don't really see a bird representing that aspect of us or whatever one thematic that i really uh, i really enjoy that that you weave into your work quite a bit is this blending of flora and fauna which i've heard you refer to as flana um, yeah before coin that term. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some examples are like Armistice, Scion, Equinox are, are some notable examples. Um, you know, it's essentially these kind of plant-animal hybrids. Uh, where does that hybridization come from? And, and like, you know, what are you trying to, I guess, present with that? Um, the idea came from just sort of like seeing how, like seeing nature mimic itself. Um, you know, like, mm, one that I really like that isn't really like with animals, but it's like how like roots, root systems look like veins and they look like lightning bolts. And, you know, there are these like patterns that nature makes just because it's earth. And um, so I, I started seeing that across, you know, animals and plants, like how a feather will look like a petal or a leaf or it's sort of my way of like reminding myself and everybody that like everything's connected. Um, the interconnection is, is there if you're looking for it. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I just, it's sort of like its own metaphor. Well, it's it's sort of interesting how these things that are completely, you know, kind of grown and evolved in isolation, they evolved in very similar ways, almost like 
but it sort of makes sense just from a scientist's perspective. Like if that works in one environment, it's very possible it could work in another environment, right? So if the spot on a wing is supposed to represent an eyeball, well, the spot on a fish may also mean to represent an eyeball, right? So it's almost like nature rhymes in these sort of interesting ways. Yeah. Um, another another common theme uh, in, in sort of interconnected with that 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 theme of of nature interconnectedness i've said that word too many times i know it's so long <laughs> is the theme of symbiosis which you know you, you've also kind of weave in and out um both mutualistic and and parasitic symbiosis i've heard you talk about that before uh what is your interest in symbiosis and how has that played into the messages that you're trying to communicate i think it's like the same thing like you know interconnectedness um it everything fits so perfectly together uh on this planet and um so i just think like i think i think about symbiosis a lot because we are so parasitic yeah. <laughs> we are we really just like we're the puzzle piece that refuses to fit in and so i think yeah i just like to think more about how things work together and and how there's balance and um and how i wish that we would do better uh play play a better role in that and like be a bit more mutualistic in our in our coexistence um but i think you know and even with each other like i think we you know symbiosis is just another word of uh cooperation or you know helping each other out so yeah i think like humans can do that better towards each other as well no for sure and and you know considering how big of a focus nature is i have to imagine you know you have some pretty strong feelings about things like climate change and you know just environmental conservation um have you found like that kind of subject matter bleed into your work at all and you know i guess provide commentary through through your work in a way yeah totally i think it's always there or usually it's there it it pretty much drives you know what i'm doing not maybe not specifically, but like my passion for protecting um, nature, um, whether it's with climate change or endangered species or, you know, what have you. But um, yeah, for a while, I, I really was considering like quitting painting um, and we're just like quitting money, anything, or just trying to dedicate my life towards a salute, like towards aiding solutions with climate change because it's such a it's hard to like accept how immediately how yeah like how um right now is the time you know like this is the last window that we've like procrastinated to and when i think of it in that scale i'm like why am i painting <laughs> you know like why am i sitting here painting when i should just be you know using my body and time to uh help whatever is making bigger impacts on on solving this because it's now or never well and you are an engineer so you have that physics you could figure some cool stuff out <laughs> yeah you know there's actually like a lot of guilt that i i carry from from when i made that decision because my focus in engineering was um, clean energy or energy efficiency and um you know, I've, I felt really bad that like I had the training and could make a bigger impact. Um, I mean, I, I definitely 
I'm okay with it now because I'm like, I tried really hard. Like no one was, you know, I needed to eat. Um, and, but yeah, so that's true. I, yeah, there's a, there's more that we can all do. I think. Are you generally hopeful and and like, you know, especially with regards to like climate change and do you like your work to be hopeful? Yeah, I want, I think I try to find aspiration through my work because I mean, the the question of am I hopeful sort of changes day to day. Um, there are times when like I'm optimistic, but most times I'm realistic and that doesn't really give me hope. <laughs> um, and I mean, I sort of confronted that in some of my shows this year. Um, I was painting about the post Anthropocene and that sort of like accepting that like we're going to trash this place until we can't live here anymore but like nature will continue you know and thrive actually because we'll make such a big hole we'll like have gotten rid of so many species and so many you know like uh, so many lands will have to rejuvenate that like the the spark of evolution and the new adaptation i'm sure is going to be really beautiful (laughs) but like bummer that we won't be around to see see it (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, it's interesting how, you know, because your, your work is very bright, it's very colorful, and it, it it's almost kind of evoking joy, but the thought of, hey, this is actually life after humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I always want to make something that people want to look at. Like, sometimes I, I paint a little darker, and and that's fine. But, like, for the most part, especially with gallery work, or, like, you know, just knowing that someone's going to buy this, like, I don't... I. Yeah, I'd rather paint messages that are aspirational and like encourage people to 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 find the beauty and to have appreciation for nature rather than like scolding them of like, you know, like here's a dead polar bear, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that's interesting and I think that I think that works in a lot of ways because it's I think you know, depending on who you're talking to, people can become resentful if you scold them too much, you know. Yeah, they might even do it intentionally you know like just to spite you so yeah a a majority of the work that you make is is oil on wood um what is it about oil specifically that you like so much opposed to like acrylic or or gouache no i mean i definitely appreciate the time that i have to work with it especially now like i've kind of mixed up i've changed up my medium i used to use um what is it called um, liquid a lot and that sort of has like dryers um, it helps speed up the drying but more recently I've been painting just with oil as a medium and um, have been yeah enjoying the amount of time that I have to work with it and I think just the colors like even just mixing the time it takes to mix colors like you know, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I'm still <laughs> mixing my colors for the day. But like, you know, I think if it was acrylic or gouache, like it, it would be dry already. Like, so yeah, cause I don't, I don't really optically mix or like layer colors to create another color. I, I don't know what the terms are, but like, I, I pretty much like paint the color that I need or mix the color that I need. So it's really just the, the, I guess, the slow drying aspect that you, you like more than anything else? Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't think I've given the other mediums enough time. And like, honestly, I'm still learning oils. So like, I think maybe, you know, in a while, I'll like 
give it give acrylics a um but probably not i mean because then i'm like well i figured oil is out like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that makes sense. Um, you know, and, and I believe I've even seen some pieces on aluminum. Um, you know, there was, I think, one at least in a recent show at Baynard. Um, like, how have you liked working with aluminum? It's okay. <laughs> um, I think it definitely, I, it was kind of, yeah, I was just trying the medium out. I like how lightweight and strong it is. Um, you know, like, the especially with, like, shipping so far, that was sort of, like, a consideration. Um but I think I I don't know quite how to prime it myself or like kind of like build up the surface on aluminum and yeah I'm like but I could see myself taking the time to to figure that out too because it's a cool substrate. What what goes into your decision about like which substrates you're going to work on for a particular piece? Like was that just purely because you, hey I I want an excuse to try aluminum or did you have a, a particular reason? No, yeah, pretty much that. I, I had seen it and like I've seen artists like use the actual material, like the kind of shininess of it um, you know, through their work. And I think that that would be a cool application. But pretty much it was just like I, I wanted to to give it a try and see if it was something I wanted to stick with. Cool, cool. Um, and, and when you're working on a piece, um, you know, either just a single piece or, or for a larger body of work, um, like what goes into the ideation stage? Um, like, like, do you keep sketchbooks around that sort of spark ideas? Do you do word lists like Cooper was talking about? Like, h- how do you typically arrive at an idea for a piece? Usually it's the theme that sparks it. And for like a bigger show, it like that's such a longer process. Um, but yeah, I keep, I don't keep a sketchbook. I, I use like loose um, paper now because I just, it was getting so hard to like find like a <laughs> sketch, you know, or an idea. Um, so, but yeah, I sketch a lot. If I, if there's an idea that just pops into my head, I'll like sketch it with some notes to sort of like revisit later. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it comes from thinking about a theme and then thinking about how I can visually represent that. Um, but also sometimes it's just looking at, um, a bird or a flower or a leaf or something and being like, Oh, that reminds me of this thing. And, you know, sort of leading like, could that work? And just sort of building it off from there. And yeah. So you mentioned that that sometimes it's a little bit longer of a process if it's a large body of work, like a larger show. So how does that differ? Do you do you arrive at the theme first and then sort of work within those constraints or does do the individual pieces sort of develop the theme organically? I've been doing it with with the theme first. I don't know if that I, I don't know if I really like that, um, but that's sort of uh, you know I'm just 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 kind of new at getting into bigger shows and these mini solos and solos. So I'm still learning my process, but um, yeah, I have been sort of trying to establish a theme like you know post Anthropocene and, and what that means. Or my most recent one is sort of the driving idea was like trying to create the divine in nature, like sort of trying to think about how indigenous people viewed nature. And I sort of came to the conclusion that a lot of them saw nature as God and then going from there. But yeah, I sort of find that it's sometimes hindering more than helping to like feel obligated to stick with the theme. Cause I, 
said that that was the theme <laughs> instead of just letting pieces come to me and then you know sort of reassessing what they all mean at the end do you think that's something that's going to evolve like as you get more comfortable with larger shows yeah i think so because it hasn't been super smooth any of the times and maybe it just is you know it's like a hard thing to do like it is a different beast i think thinking about a set of paintings than like one and like feeling this weird obligation to make things sort of gel together um i don't know maybe that's just pressure that i put on myself but um <laughs> uh, it's a weird it's a weird um variable to navigate around so once you have like a solid idea figured out for a piece, um, like what's the next step for you? Are you sketching out compositions at that point or do you kind of just jump right into painting? Yeah, I try to, I think it's hard because I have to like establish the sizes, you know, like what the, what rec rectangle I'm going to put it in. <laughs> so um, usually I'll do a lot of sketches just to, um, I mean, I use so much reference photos too in my work that like it's very necessary to like make sure that I have enough references to like make the posture, like get like the expression, um, the lighting and, and all the other elements. Um, and yeah, that's something that I've sort of learned relatively recently. I used to just work everything out on on the board. Um, you know, I was just like, why am I going to waste my time sketching things like when I could just do it here and then, you know, like erasing is much faster than repainting. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I've done enough paintings where I'm like, I need to fix that because it needs to be fixed. And, you know, so I'd rather figure that out earlier. So how detailed do you usually go with your sketches? Like, um, have you gotten to the point where you're figuring everything out in the sketch or is it a little bit rougher and you sort of organically discover stuff as you paint? Yeah, it's a little more organic. It's pretty rough. Um, it's more just like, how much space is this thing taking up? And like, you know, where is it? Um, but yeah, I like to leave room open because I, I think like the sketch never looks like what I paint. Like it just, however I translate it onto the, um, I don't like, you know, trace it on there. Um, so whenever, however I put it on there, then I have to sort of build around what I've already done. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, with the work being oil and, and it being as slow drying, like we were talking about, do you, do you work on multiple pieces at once or, or do you tend to focus on just one, see it all the way through and then dive into the next? Yeah, I think like if I have enough ideas to have multiple ones going on, I will, um, Sometimes I'm just like chasing down deadlines that like I haven't, I don't have the next one figured out yet. And so I'm sort of just like trying to finish this one painting and then, you know, work on it one by one. But I like, I like both. It's nice to like, if I'm tired of painting fur, like go paint <laughs> a feather. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it gets a little um, tedious. Okay. Right on. Um, and you know, before we dive into what you have coming up, um, you know, let's chat a little bit about that that show at Baynard. Um, you know, that was your debut Australian solo exhibition, from what I understand. Um, you know, and the title was Phase. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that body of work, and and how did you uh, get connected with John? Uh, well, John, uh, he reached out to me. Um, I think, I mean, we had only done one show before um, this opportunity came about. Um, 
but yeah, he, he just reached out to me and invited me to his um, small work show, which I think is kind of his way of introducing new artists to, to the roster, trying them out. And then, yeah, the show was weird because I kind of had more pieces planned um, because I was following the post-Anthropocene idea um, and continuing to explore that, but kind of more with with the frame of, of uh, rising water. But then, yeah, the pandemic happened and I couldn't think about anything other than that. Um, and so I'd be like trying to to sketch out the next piece that I had in mind and like just like, you know, it was sort of like reading a book and you're like rereading the same line. I, I do that. <laughs> you know, you're like, like oh. You're just distracted, right? Yeah, completely. It's amazing that our brains can be somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, let's, let's not fight it. Let's like, you know, feel the things and um, see what comes out. So... So it's sort of half post-Anthropocene and and half sort of a reaction to the pandemic and Black Lives Matter. But then I realized afterwards that it's just sort of about adaptation to a new normal, a new order. And I think that's what we've all been doing is is trying to just adapt as as things change. Um, So that's kind of why I call it phase, because it's just like this transitionary time was that the entire body of work created during the pandemic or was it started earlier than that? It pretty much started. Um, well, I think I started maybe just a few weeks, I think before. Yeah, probably. I think my goal was to do have one painting before I had planned to go to Argentina, which like is the week that like the borders got shut down, which I'm glad that I, it got shut down before. Cause I had friends that went, before and then they were like stuck in Argentina. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Um yeah, so that was like yeah, from February to July, I think. So just a handful of months after this last show, um you actually have a brand new solo show coming up next month. Uh January 16th at Haven Gallery. So so you know, it's also alongside, you know, friend and former guest Brian Mashburn, which yeah. is awesome. Um what can you share about this new series of works? Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, and really stoked to show in Haven's new space. Um, congrats. This show was sort of, I, I sort of briefly mentioned it, but, um, inspired by the idea that God is nature. Um, sort of like the question that I posed to myself before every piece was like, um, how do I get people to worship nature? (laughs) Um, so I don't know if I like nailed it. I think it's definitely been a journey in in exploring that theme. But um, yeah, there's a lot of flana, um, a lot more flana coming your way. <laughs> um, and the palette is interesting. Like I've, I'm never really intentional about um, a cohesive palette in in a solo or a bigger series. But this one sort of just came out to be nicely cohesive. So. Yeah, clock that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Does the show have a title yet? Uh, no, it doesn't. I Yeah, I'm just like trying to finish the paintings and then I'm going to do all the thinking um, and yeah, word stuff after. <laughs> right on. How many, how many pieces will there be? Uh, I've got eight. Okay, very cool. Do you know if the gallery will be doing any kind of um, in-person like scheduled visits or was it, is it going to be entirely virtual? No, I think that, yeah, there's in-person um, 
I don't know if they're they're going to have a gathering, um, you know, a reception that might be off the table. Um, I'm I'm not planning to to be in New York, but um, but as of now, it's open uh, to the public, and I don't think that appointments are necessary yet. So oh, okay. we'll see. You know, <laughs> a lot can change in a month and a half. So no doubt, fingers crossed. Because yeah, Melbourne got locked down like the week of my show in Australia at Bain Arts, so that was a bummer to have the expectation. Of people seeing it and then it not, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not really expecting anyone to see the show in person. I guess it's just weird. Yeah, it's a hard thing. I mean, what what are your feelings on like virtual openings in general? I'm glad that there's something, um, and I commend the galleries for you know doing what they can and like trying to adjust and um, and it's been nice. You know, um, I think it. Yeah, it got a little saturated because usually you would just go to one show but now like every gallery in the world you know is having a virtual opening to attend and we're invited so um but yeah i think it's it's a bummer that we can't go and see it it's weird making a show knowing that like no one's gonna see it in person or that very very few people will and so i don't know yeah that comes with its own weirdness Right on, right on. Um, and, and so with that show sort of, you know, on the verge of debuting and, you know, the work's mostly, you know, close to being complete, what what do you have coming up next? Like, what does 2021 look like for you? Um, well, I'm giving myself a little break. Um, well, I, I tell myself that, but I don't think it's actually going <laughs> to turn out that way. Um, yeah, I've got some commissions to, to attend to. Um, at the beginning of the year, which I've carved some time out for. Um, and then I have a, um, another show at Corey Helford gallery, um, in August, and that'll be a two person show. So I'll probably start working on that shortly after the winter's done. (laughs) Very cool. Is that going to be a bigger show than the one that you had with them at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Um, so the last one was a three person show. This one's two person. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's with, uh, Nuncio Pachi, I think is his name. Nice. Um, Italian artist. I really like his work and I think it's going to be a cool show, you know, together with him. Awesome. Any upcoming like print releases that you'd want to put on people's radar? I wish. Um, I have calendars for sale right now. I don't know when this comes out, but um, I still have them now. And yeah, once I'm done uh, making this Haven show and and have it all shipped off, I'll start thinking about prints. But um, yeah, I definitely want to... um, I did a studio sale this fall and that went super well and I'm inspired to do it again. So I'm hoping to make some new small works and have a print release and stuff in the spring. So stay tuned <laughs> awesome very cool so where can people find you online so they can stay plugged into all this um pretty much john ching art j-o-n-c-h-i-n-g art is is what you need to google to find me on instagram or facebook or um put a dot com and and that's my website very cool so last question and this, this is something that i'd like to ask everybody uh who is one artist that you'd like to see me have on the show um I would love you to, can I give you two? Sure. I mean, I've had people <laughs> give me a whole list of them. So. <laughs> uh, 
I would love to um, hear you talk to Hanayata. She's, yeah, she's like the queen of my genre, I feel like. Um, and then um, Lauren Brevner, um, she, I really love her work and I love how, how she plays with different materials and always seems to be like trying something new, but also like really staying true to like her, um, her heritage and representing like her blood. I love it. Awesome. Well, two great choices. Um, and, and John, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I was stoked to, uh, to chat with you. So that's it for this episode of Art Affairs. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John. I really like what John had to say about the way he communicates through his work, encouraging the viewers to be a part of solving these problems rather than beating them over the head with, you know, more of an accusatory tone. Uh, I guess carrot instead of the stick, you could say. It's definitely something we need to get in front of, like yesterday, if there's any hope for the future. So I love how he's able to harness that passion he has for this cause and, you know, share it with others through his art. And I'm eager to see what he puts together for this new solo show he has coming up in January. The, you know, yet-to-be-titled show will open on January 16th at Haven Gallery, and it looks like the eight new pieces will focus on effectively, you know, deifying nature and, you know, presenting it as something worth worshipping. Um, you know, follow John's and the gallery's Instagram for more details as they become available. So thanks again to John for joining me today, and thank you for checking out the show. I'm truly grateful for your support. One big way you could help out if you're enjoying the show would be to review it on Apple Podcasts, and of course, you know, just sharing it with your friends. As always, you can contact me through my website at artaffairspodcast.com or on Instagram at artaffairspodcast. So until next time, be good to yourself and be good to each other. Thank you.